Okay, go. You're listening to the Debatable Podcast hosted by Greg Sedashny. It's available for streaming and download at debatablepodcast.tumblr.com and on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at DebatablePod and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash debatablepodcast. Greg also co-hosts All the Pieces Matter along with Fernando Madrigal. All the Pieces Matter is a retrospective podcast on HBO's The Wire. It's available for streaming and download at wirepod.tumblr.com and on iTunes. Find All the Pieces Matter on Twitter at wire underscore podcast and like the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wirepodcast. Last but not least, you can always find Debatable and All the Pieces Matter anytime at actionagogo.com. So please, check out our sites on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Tumblr. Check us out on the street if you see us there. Leave us questions, comments, feedback. And if you're up to it, rate and review us on iTunes. We really like that. And hey, let your friends know about us. But above all, enjoy today's show. Thanks for listening. That's great. That's great. Thanks. Hello, everyone. This is our final episode for 2015. If you're a longtime listener, thank you. If you started listening uh, recently this year, uh, I thank you as well. I hope that you're enjoying the show and uh, we have a lot more surprises for you in the future. As you might have noticed, we have become kind of irregular with our posts for uh, Debatable and for All the Pieces Matter, but we're hoping to get back on track and do them more frequently in the new year. Um... You know, without giving away too much information, a lot of uh, tumultuous things have been going on in my life. Uh, this year, I think that it's been it's been one of the more trying years, things with my family, things in my personal life. And I know that everybody goes through these these phases of um, of trying to overcome some sort of negativity, some sort of thing that they uh, they know that they have to work on. You know, it's always these these resolutions that we start at the beginning of the year. We talk about these things that we need to do to better ourselves, to improve ourselves, um, to, to make ourselves happy. And uh, that's been something that I've been focused on a lot this year, um, trying to find what makes me happy and um, trying to do the right thing, I think. Do the right thing is, is what it uh, ends up being. Um, that's not to say that things haven't uh, been trying and that I haven't hurt people uh, along the way, especially this year. But I'm hoping to make amends with a lot of things, with uh, with those people in particular, uh, friends and family members that I think that might have, uh, might have uh, been affected by me trying to find that fork in the road towards happiness. So, that's what I think about during the holidays. I hope that your holidays have been good, and I hope that going into the next year that you are doing as I am doing and trying to improve yourself even more. Um, so without further ado, let me give a, a, a real intro. Uh, today on the show, I have Mike Fury, who's talking about Life of Action, this fantastic book that he's written, a kind of a compilation of interviews that he's done with people who are uh, stunt people, uh, filmmakers, and actors in the action 
action uh, martial arts world. Um, it's really something that I find interest in. If you're a fan of action cinema, if you have more respect for it than just being something that uh, that you know is is dumb boys uh, cinema or dumb boys you know uh, a dumb boys pastime. If you have more respect for it than that, and you uh, understand the the precision and the um, the effort that goes into making these movies, then you'll appreciate where Mike is coming from. And uh, his book is is fantastic. I've read most of it at this point. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for a late Christmas gift or a, a New Year's gift, you know, uh, some other cultures do that. New Year's gifts. Maybe you uh, should look into that for a uh, friend or family member or yourself. You know, it's a fantastic book. And if you're a fan, I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it. It reads like, uh, like an inspirational journey. Great stories in there. Uh, great people, as you'll hear us talk about some some pretty uh, uh, amazing people he's got involved in this book, uh, Dolph Lundgren and and several more, you know, but, but names, just names in, in action cinema that you will immediately recognize and their stories are fantastic. So here's to 2015. I hope that it's been good to you. I hope you've, you've found uh, uh, what makes you happy and even, even kept that uh, going the same, kept it stable and it kind of improved upon that, or you've found that you need to realign and reassess and maybe find something a little more important to you in, uh, you know, moving forward into 2016. So here's to uh, 2015. Happy holidays and look forward to hearing from us more on Debatable and All the Pieces Matter in the coming year. Have a good one. Enjoy. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. I'm I'm very grateful that you asked me. So you know, always always happy. I love um, talking to people that um, really this this podcast is about people who are like passionate and obsessive about the things that kind of define their lives. And um, you know, doing stuff with Derek and Action A Go Go is is a great thing because it gives you like these um, these opportunities to do the stuff that we did with um, with Zombie Ninjas and a couple yep. other uh, action people that we've talked to. Uh-huh. But um, it so defines uh, it so defines something about 
my background and it's this love of action cinema and and it's really something that you know as i'm i'm reading through your book even the the um the part where you're you know uh talking about your your dad just you know that that this is dedicated to him really hits home to me because that's where my my interest in film started that's where my interest in action movies started yeah for sure i think i think that's such a such a cool thing and yeah, I mean, it's obviously great hearing you say that. And I've had a lot of people, friends or people I've met say exactly the same thing. And it really goes back to those formative years, I guess, as a kid growing up watching these movies. Yeah. You, uh, how, how old are you now? I'm uh, 28. Okay, so you're a little younger than me, but you came in right at that, um, at that age, um, that, that late 80s, early 90s age when it was really popular, at least here in the, in the States. Was it the same in uh, the UK? Was it very, a very popular genre? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I mean, you know, I miss the whole Bruce Lee um, era because obviously I'm a bit too young for that. And guys who are older than me tell me about when they saw Bruce Lee in the cinema. Obviously, I didn't get a chance to to, to see you know him on the big screen in that sense. But then I also had the VHS stuff. It's probably the right. same thing for you. Right. So it's funny how you do you miss in like a period like that. You know, you miss some of those eras, but then you catch up naturally later. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I'm just reading at it, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read this part. It's just the fact that he was the first, that, uh, the one who first got me excited in film. I have very fond memories watching and talking movies with him when I was growing up. Without a doubt, it set me on the path I walk today. And I think that that's, that is, every single point of that is important for for me as well. I yeah. think about that so much. Um and I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to, to be kind of the, the jumping off point because obviously, you know, when we got in touch, I thought that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a book of, of your interviews with, with actors and filmmakers and stunt people that kind of like define what, uh, what this passion is, what this art is. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy enough for me to connect with it. But yeah, that part of it just made me feel more in like in, uh, in um, the right hands to go into the book you know i yeah. knew where you were coming from can we talk a little bit about your origins like growing up and everything yeah yeah for sure did you grow up in london what, what part of uh, the uk did you grow up in um yeah no i've always lived in london my whole life i mean i grew up i'm not sure how familiar you are with uh with london but um i grew up in east london so it's um it's kind of the the east end what they refer to as the east end of london right. but um, r- right now i live in north london but yeah i mean it's a it's an awesome place and i i'm really really a, a big a big fan of London. I can't imagine uh, actually living anywhere else. How do you define the East End? Is it a uh, place that was artistic or was it a little rough or what kind of place was it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of got elements of both. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, are you familiar with the Guy Ritchie movies? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch and all that kind of stuff. Those movies are, are, are very much based in the kind of the hub and the life of um, East London. So that, that give, I mean, obviously that's kind of like a, a, a quite a comedic, a right. caricature kind of right. version of it but you know that's the kind of vibe that's the kind of um that's the sort of spirit i think guy Ritchie was trying to get across so there's elements of that and there's elements of the the, the sort of the artsy kind of um uh environment as well so it's, it's it's quite a cool cosmopolitan you know hub with loads of loads of interesting stuff happening right what was that childhood for you were you left ma- ma- mainly on your own or what did you do as a kid um, <laughs> i'm trying to think back i mean yeah i was i was just i was big into movies i mean i did sports and i did you know other stuff i was obviously i was a, a quite i'd like to think quite a sociable kid but i was definitely big into films and you know even at that young stage and would 
actually in a similar way do so today, kind of geek out, spending a lot of time watching movies. Um, back then, I mean, this is kind of a, a sad thing now with the decline of uh, the video stores and that kind of thing. You know, we don't see too many these sure. days. Um, I'd love going to the video stores and, you know, spend hours browsing the shelves and picking out cool things and finding cool stuff. So that was that was definitely an important part, I'd say. And, and as, as you kind of referred to earlier, my dad really got me into that as well. And we'd, you know, he'd, he'd recommend things to me or show me older movies that I didn't necessarily know because I was too young, you know, things from like the sixties and seventies, that kind of, that, that kind of era as well. And, um, and yeah, it became, it, it was obviously a good bonding thing, but it was also very cool to, to equally, you know, then discover things for myself. Some of the later stuff, like, as you said, the eighties or maybe early getting into sure. the early nineties stuff that that would be more of my era that I would then be able to kind of take take on myself. Right. Was it was it cinema in general or was it uh was it action cinemas particularly? Um I think the the best way I could describe it it wasn't always action but it was definitely genre cinema. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. like um action, you know, crime movies, um you know the kind of Sam Peckinpah, Walter Hill kind of stuff. I mean, uh, nice. To to this day Walter Hill is definitely my favorite uh, director and The Warriors is actually my favorite film. That's awesome. Uh, so it was all this kind of stuff, and there was, you know, there was some horror in there and some other other stuff, but it was definitely the hard genre films as opposed to anything else. I'd say the Warriors is fantastic. I was yeah. so dismayed um, a couple of years ago, if you more than that, when they came out with the DVD here with kind of his director's cut that kind of yeah. like infused to those kind of like little a- animation interstitials in it. Yeah, I was like, I miss that raw kind of how raw in seventies New York that felt that movie. Yeah, so it was so amazing. Great. Actually, that that release, I don't know how you found it. I was a little bit disappointed at the. Um, I mean, I know it was quite a cool comic effect that right. they inserted those scenes, but I don't know if you noticed they actually changed up the order of some of the scenes yes. as well that they actually recut. That bothered me a little bit, I have to admit. But then I really did enjoy. The, I believe there was an intro from Walter Hill, and then all the um, the extras, the cast yes, and crew yes. uh, the interviews, which mm-hmm. which was cool. So I kind of now see this is the sort of geek extent you have to take it to. I have both versions. I've got the original, so of if course. I want to just watch the movie, and then you have to have the the director's cut for all the extra stuff. You know, of course, it's <laughs> like uh, it's like being a Star Wars geek. Just since we're yeah. talking about since Star Wars just came out, you know, you have these people that uh, always want the original uncut trilogy, and then you have the special editions. And I've gotten to this point that like. Even that kind of like blurs the line. I'm sure I've seen the special edition so much that the original cuts aren't there in my mind as much. But I remember with the Warriors, it was something that like um, even nowadays, it's almost impossible to find that theatrical cut DVD. It's like if it's not out of print, it's just hard to find. Yeah, yeah. And so everything that you see like on streaming services, Netflix and whatever, is that new director's cut. And uh, I think I think it's supplemental. I think it's good to see that. That after the fact, it, after you see the theatrical version, yeah, definitely for sure. I love that you love that. That's a, that's a great movie. Um, sure. So when you you know obviously you know knowing a little bit about your background that you kind of went in this trajectory of kind of writing and journalism. Where did that start? Like as a as a kid growing up, you're you're a cinephile, obviously. You're a big film buff. You're liking these movies and everything. Did you want to write about movies? Did you want to you know be a writer? Did you want to be a filmmaker? I think it was it was an interesting one. It was uh, it really just came about because um, I think at school I was naturally quite good at writing. It was a subject that I you know kind of English English language English literature that kind of stuff where you're you're actually writing about um, about different different subjects and 
naturally, I guess you you gravitate towards what you like and what you're interested in. Right. So I just kind of started out, you know, writing, and I found I could cry, I could write quite well, or how I felt, you know, would be quite well. Obviously, now it's it's like anything. You look back at stuff you wrote like ten years ago, and you think it's terrible. <laughs> but sure. uh, you know, it's all it's all an evolution, and it's all a, it's all a, a, a progression. But um, having this interest, you know, it it just made me feel like, well, I I have this this passion and this interest, and I'd love to talk more about that and share that with people. So it started out kind of the natural way with like on you know online at that point very early uh, online blogs and sites and that kind of stuff, and really just snowballed into uh, magazines and, and 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 other things, and then obviously many years later um, turned into the book. So it's 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 been a progression, but I think it's all. It's all been a kind of a natural snowball effect in right, a way. Right. Well, at the same time, you're saying that when you were a kid growing up that you were into sport and everything. Were you were you funneled directly into uh, at least your interest? Were you funneled into doing martial arts? Um, actually, not really. It's quite quite a surprise. I mean, I um, when I was young, I did I did sports like swimming actually for for a good number of years. Um, I played rugby and all kinds of other things, but my I think my parents weren't really my parents were quite um, old fat not old old fashioned but not really into the the martial arts side of things unfortunately. So I didn't really get a chance to do that as a kid. It's something that I discovered for myself um, basically when I was a teenager right. Um, right. when I was able to actually go out and start training and that kind of thing. But no, as as, as a kid, it was unfortunately you know it's, it's one of those things that I feel like if I'd started you know you think if you started karate or something at the age of five how experienced right. you'd be to this day but no it's something i discovered later in life but um but no it's cool it was it was good it was it was just as i say something i think i think it depends a lot on your parents in the background that they have like, i've got friends who you know their, their parents um trained heavily in martial arts and then got the kids into martial arts right. and my parents weren't really like that so i, I had to, to to kind of go go a different route right it's interesting here in the states especially i feel like it's um do you get the feeling, at least there, that it's it's a respected sport? Is it is it very like does it have a large following or is it more niche? Is what I kind of wonder. Is this sorry martial arts in general? Like martial arts in general, or taking karate, or taking taekwondo, or any of these? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's um, I think traditional martial arts um, do still have that you know instilled sense of sense of respect and honor and all that kind of stuff. I mean, um, obviously, you know to an outsider they don't necessarily know too much about it in right. detail but um like for example you know i mean i originally started out training in wing chun which is you know a traditional chinese martial art now i do more like the brazilian jiu-jitsu um and kickboxing and other things like that and um in its purest form i think there's always going to be that tradition uh, instilled there when you look at more like mixed martial arts side of things like you and then you know interest in ufc and that kind of thing um, I, I'm always quite surprised when I talk to people who aren't in, involved in it in any way. They, I think a lot of people still think it's quite barbaric. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like this, it's, it's literally almost seeing it as like a blood sport. I mean, I had to explain to someone quite recently, and I'm like seriously not kidding, that like there are rules. And they're like, oh, can you do anything? You can like... <laughs> someone's eye you can like you know there's no ref there's like it's crazy it's like no no it's like it's a it's a fully sanctioned sport like it's on tv it's sure. um, it's, it's cool but it's yeah a lot of people don't know too much about it so i kind of have to remove myself from the equation sometimes and try and kind of see it from the point of view of somebody who who you know hasn't been involved in it or doesn't doesn't really um get it i don't think there's there's it's not necessarily um, a stigma as such but it's um 
I think it's always good for me personally. I, I like the idea of learning the traditional side right. um, first, but then you know, people that want to get into the mixed martial arts side—that's that's you know, it's cool as well. And there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot to be learned, both from you know, being a kid and learning about sports, learning about discipline, through to right. um, the cool athletes and the phenomenal guys we see. Whether that's you know, as a sport or, or, or transitioning across to the screen, a lot right. of these guys now are doing this. So it's uh, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 really interesting. I think. That's the thing that always kind of blew my mind was that growing up as a kid, they, you know, we always thought that karate especially was just this, um, uh, you know, uh, an expedited way to getting to that place of, of just beating someone unconscious. You know, it was always about the aggression and the fight and the violence and not so much the the uh, point of view and the outlook, um, not just the the um, health both uh, emotionally and mentally, but physically, the thing that these martial arts can do for you that kind of improve your life. Everybody just thinks, well, you're you're going to make me throw a punch faster or kick faster. They don't yeah. they don't focus on the the wider kind of almost religious sense of what yeah. these martial arts bring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me ask you. So from from that. Where what is the trajectory for this book? So um, the reason we're talking today is about Life of Action, interviews with uh, the men and women of martial arts and action cinema, this book that uh, you just wrote that came out this year. And um, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about like where this started for you. Why? Like what was the mission statement for writing the book, compiling these interviews? Why did you do it? Um, that's another thing. I mean um – you know, having kind of following on from what we were saying before, this this journey of having written about movies and written about um, these kinds of genre movies, martial arts movies, and so on, and you know, at this point, also having the opportunity uh, to actually work in some films and get involved in particularly choreography and stunts and some of some of um, some of these areas of the industry and then making more, making more and more friends and contacts and getting to know people and basically just having conversations with, with guys I know, stunt guys, actors and so on and hearing some, sto- you know, a lot of stories that I thought were, you know, sometimes it's a really, really cool, really interesting story or sometimes just like ridiculous, like the crazy, insane stuff you hear about what goes on or, you know, not necessarily like a, on a huge scale but just like a crazy interesting anecdote that you'd want to tell your friends sure. you know kind of over a beer it's that that kind of thing and i thought you know there's actually some great stories here some great stuff that we wouldn't otherwise know about and it might actually be quite cool to compile some of these some you know some of these stories um and also you know taking at the same time some some interesting lessons and um points of view that you know if, if you're interested in this stuff you might actually find that quite cool to to read about so that was really the launch pad and then from there um I just started, um, I, I kind of started out, you know, more locally, I guess you could say, with right. like people, you know, people like Scott Adkins, who I know, who obviously, he's, you know, actually being a UK-based guy as one, other UK guys that I would have right. closer access to. And then after that, really taking it further, wider, pitching it out, and then having to speak to people that, you know, I don't necessarily know, you go through the difficult um, stages of trying to get in touch with like managers and agents and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. That's a big part of it for just putting together this, this podcast. So I imagine that it's the same. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's the thing. And then pitching out and trying to get interest. And obviously, you know, some people are interested, some people aren't, but really taking it from there. And then basically the whole process from start to finish 
was um, basically three years. So that's obviously not three years of interviews, but that's writing it and then um, doing it on such a kind of a, um, I guess you could say independent, almost like a movie, like an indie indie movie scale that I was doing a lot of it myself in terms of organizing everything and then sourcing images and then, you know, getting the studios or the producers to source the right to this content to me and all this kind of stuff. So it was was quite a, a mission. And to be honest, I think I was a bit naive going in I didn't really realize how much work was actually involved, but you know, in, in the end, in the end, it's all good, and obviously, I'm glad, glad I did it. But it was a, it was a big, uh, it was, a, it was quite a big experience. I think that's what you need as, as an artist or as a writer, someone going into a big project like that. You need to be naive, and you need to have that kind of um, um, stupid uh, optimism. Because if you don't, you can psych yourself out from even starting the project. If you are worried about the climbing Everest, you might never do it, you know? Um, are you familiar with the name Keith Strandberg, by any uh, chance? Yes. So, Keith, it's so interesting that you're talking about, you know, being there with someone that's... Um, that's telling these stories about their life on set or or anything. I I went to I went to Towson University out here in Baltimore, Maryland, and Keith was actually my teacher there um, for uh, screenwriting and producing, and he regaled us with all of these stories constantly about his time uh, making films in in Hong Kong and mainly in China, um, and especially when he started doing productions, uh, doing Chinese productions here in the states, and. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Keith Strandberg wrote uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, the uh, the Van Damme movie. Kind of gave him his start, that movie. And, um, yeah, Strandberg always told such great stories about uh, just life on the set and everything. And that was always – that always infused my interest of kind of the behind the scenes of getting uh, movies made. But also kind of these these stories about how freaking hard it is to get yeah. something done. Um, you know, you might have something break down on you. You might have just uh, uh, an insurrection of mor- of bad morale from the cast and crew. It's, it's interesting to, to be on – the side of it where you also take part in it, you know, you're talking about how you kind of know, um, the, the experiences, you know, the passion that these people do, and maybe you have an understanding of the obstacles that they run into. Do you think that that made you, uh, particularly, uh, easy to, to get some of these interviews or understand where some of these people were coming from like Atkins? Uh, yeah, I think definitely. And I mean, it's, um, I think, I, I mean, I always think this with most forms of art, whether that's like writing, music, movies, whatever, I think the more you know, and the more kind of context you have, it makes everything a lot more interesting. You actually understand the background and the kind of the, the, the real meat behind it. Um, so I, I find, yeah, I mean, I find it fascinating when you know certain stories or, you know, anecdotes about this is, you know, this movie was made in such a way or even right down to small choices like the this fight scene is shot in this way because of this thing that happened and you kind of understand that it's actually, it's actually really insightful. I find, you know, and I find it quite cool and yeah, and it definitely makes you also sympathize with the whole process. And I think it's something that, especially unfortunately in action, um, it's, it's something I reference actually in the intro to the book is it kind of bugs me how a lot of people see the genre as it's, it's really kind of like, dumbed down boys entertainment yeah it's like you know like and you see it quite a lot you know you know it's kind of like um bring your buddies around drink some beers and watch the dumb movie it's kind of like which 
you know, to be fair, that actually can be quite a fun thing to do as well. Like it, it can be an enjoyable process, but equally there's a lot of hard work and the kind of blood, sweat and tears behind the scenes that goes into it that I think it's important to to acknowledge and understand that and for the guys you know actually one um, an interesting audience that I that I, I I came upon through writing the book are the you know the young actors stunt guys martial sure. artists and so on who um, seem to have taken um, taken a lot of the content and been able to apply it to what they're doing which is obviously really really cool so right. you know those sorts of life lessons and those um, those education points hopefully it, it's, it's, it's valuable as well we're getting to this point that I think that people are um, getting past just uh, uh, taking into account the the writing and the storytelling and the pacing and even the direction of a movie as kind of the signifier of its of its um, its greatness. I think that we are getting to a point, at least I hope, you know, from from the people that I talk to, my friends, my group of uh, cinephiles, that people are appreciating more and more stunt performers and Mm -hmm. the amount of time and precision that you need to put into this beautiful choreography, this dance that you're putting on for a camera. You're not just performing this, but you are worried about, you know, framing and what angle to use. And, um, you have to, you have to rehearse it so perfectly, so precise. I remember that, uh, that documentary, I forget the name of it. That was basically the behind the scenes of, of Jackie, uh, Chan's stunt yeah. team and how fucking specific and precise they had to be because people will get hurt otherwise, you know? Yeah. And uh, no, I think that the amount of time and energy and just intellect that these people, these stunt performers and actors and, and filmmakers have to put into this, uh, it's it's astounding. It's, it is, it really harkens back to, to silent cinema and like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and having to put some sort sort of physicality on screen and capture that and and at the same time show a spectacle to the viewer yeah definitely i think and it's it's funny because when you watch say like a finished fight scene you know hopefully it all flows and it looks good but it's kind of it's a finished piece it's like 30 second fight scene or one minute and it's and it looks great but the amount of individual pieces of the puzzle that have gone into it you know as as you know is is often going to be you know crazy and it's just yeah just really i think communicating that and appreciating that and yeah to, to your point just now as well about the the silent movies it's interesting I d- i'm not sure how far you got in the in uh, the book but you know guys like isaac florentine for example are very influenced by you know charlie chaplin and yeah. those guys and they actually frame the action and frame the sequences with that inspiration in mind so it's interesting how it's how it's it's carried over in a right. sense and it's so interesting to see how it's kind of evolved too because if you look back then and you look at some of the best um, action choreography, action cinema that we see now, it's the idea of of performing something without cuts or as few cuts as possible. Yeah. And it's so weird. You know, you'll, you'll watch something that's stupendously put together like The Raid or something like that. And there's, there is something that you can see complete beginning, middle and end. It, you're not cutting into it constantly you're seeing how uh exhausting it is for the performers to to put this on and i think that that's that adds to its reality too yeah for sure 
Definitely. So you talk about, you know, making this book and uh, and kind of how the, the, the independent process you had to, you know, probably steal away from your day job and, and do this, uh, you know, on your time off and everything. Was there anybody else who made the book possible? Anybody who encouraged you, pushed you? I know that you also mentioned Dar- uh, Darren Shalabi. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anybody who really kind of, you know, made the book possible? I think it was really... To be honest, it was just, I mean, my, my wife played a massive part. She was massively encouraging. And, you know, it's that, it's that, I think any, going through any process, you really, um, you, you know, you go through the highs and lows and some days you feel really excited and you're really feeling good about it. And then obviously some days you feel, you, you know, you feel that like everything's so dark and gloomy and you're, right. Oh God, I've got so much to do. And it's, it's, you know, I'm overwhelmed, but then you have your ups and downs and it, it picks up hopefully after that. But, um, but no, definitely my wife was a big, a big, uh, help and, and, you know, real support system. But, um, otherwise it was really the guys in the book that I spoke mm-hmm. to. I mean, like, um, Scott Adkins was the first one. I mean, I've, I've interviewed Scott Adkins uh, many times before and I know him quite well. Great. And, um, so he was actually one of the first people I pretty much just, um, pitched to him, like kind of from nothing, you know, you've got literally nothing on paper and just say like, look, Scott, I'm, I'd like to do this thing. This is the idea kind of will you you know what do you have time will you will you be involved and he's like he just basically said like yeah man i'm i'm i'm, I'm down like whatever you need kind of That's thing good. and that that kind of thing it give, it really inspires you and it motivates you you know it really motivates you because then you think okay great well, I've, I've, you know i've got scott and then you start speaking to other people and then you start adding names to the list and then that really helps of course when you go out and start speaking to um other people you know like as, as we said kind of pitching out and start contacting um, you know, people that you've you've got no relationship with or you don't know, and you re- really don't know how it's going to go. But it gives you that confidence, and it probably helps your case a little bit right. that you've actually you can say to them, "Well, I've got these guys down already," and blah blah blah. And it kind of you know it it, it snowballs from there. So it definitely that it motivates you and it inspires you, and you kind of think, "Well, if they you know if if they see my vision, if they're um, keen to be involved, if they're interested to be involved, then why not?" Right. So, so it, 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 it does inspire you. So I'd have to, you know, give a huge amount of credit to all the guys in the book that were kind enough to, to support me and get behind me. And yeah, Darren, um, Darren was, was another one basically who came on board very early on and was very, uh, excited about it and, and very, very, um, happy and very, um, just, just, just really, I think shared, shared the vision and understood what it was. I didn't really have to explain it to him. He got what the whole thing was about. And it's just such a shame that he, you know, he passed away, um, just under a year ago now, and he didn't actually get a chance to see the finished, the finished piece. But I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so that, that was a real shame, but I hope that in some small way, you know, something like this, it maybe goes towards his legacy and people that maybe weren't as familiar with his work will learn more about him and check out some of his films and, and that, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And, you know, it runs the gamut. I don't think I've mentioned some of the people that are in this book. There, you, you interviewed quite a few people in different um, areas, too. Like, uh, I know that you included interviews that were, um, you know, with Andy Lau that were for specific movies that you interviewed him for, and it was published somewhere else. But in compiling this, you kind of have this uh, hive mind, this, you know, this mission statement of this whole kind of action genre. But uh, I haven't mentioned it. So Scott Atkins, Andy Lau, Dolph Lundgren, Cynthia Rothrock, which is, you know, an amazing milestone uh, female uh, action star that people should be familiar with. Don the Dragon Wilson, Donnie Yen, uh, uh, stunt performers uh, like David Leitch and, and J.J. Perry, Sue Hark. You talk to Sue Hark. I mean, it's it's amazing that you run this gamut of, of filmmakers and people who've really put their stamp 
on the genre. Um, I really like that. I like that you, you, it's just this, you know, constant, um, push and pull of, of finding these people that, um, that mean so much to you. And you, I can obviously tell just in the interviews how much they mean to you and how, you know, I keep coming back to what do you want to achieve by putting this together? And I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but if you give this to someone who is passionate about martial arts or, uh, action cinema, martial arts cinema, uh, I imagine that they would get so much out of this, just reading from the horse's mouth, uh, these points of views. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean that's that's obviously one. That was one of the points that I was really hoping for, and hopefully as well, you know, some of, some of the other kind of lessons in a sense I wanted to put across were that, you know, as you mentioned, there's there, there's a wide variety of people in there, and that's another thing I was um, quite um, keen to to communicate. You know, you've got just some of the names you mentioned, some of the more like '80s martial arts guys that had like actual martial arts and, and competition backgrounds, through to you know more of the stunt guys or stunt school and training or guys that have trained as filmmakers, guys that have worked more as actors and moved across to action and things like this. So there's a wide variety of, of different people from different eras and different parts of the world. So you've got the East, yes. the, mm-hmm. the Eastern guys, the Western guys, American guys, English guys, European guys, um, and um, equally, you know, different backgrounds. So it goes to show, I mean, I've, something I've been asked by a lot of, um, particularly young stunt guys is they say, you know, like, what's the best way in? How do I, like, how do I, you know, how do I do it? And, the, the truth is there's no set path and that's hopefully it's not too much of a daunting thing. Cause it's like, if you, um, you know, if you work hard at something, I know it's not, not to kind of oversimplify as this, but it's like, if you work hard at something and you just, you know, follow a few kind of key basic principles about, um, you know, uh, just trying to stay, I think, stay true to yourself, put the, put the hard work in, make good connections and just really try to do a good job. You know, it is possible um, and the proofs in the pudding with these guys that, you know, so many people have come from so many different backgrounds, but they, they've had successful careers, um, just by in a way, stick, um, just sticking to their guns and being themselves. And I think that's a really valuable lesson as well. Absolutely. What, what is your, what is your current job? Do you do this? Do you, are you um, yeah. involved in it? I do. Yeah. I mean, I do. So I, I do a number of different things. I'm actually involved. Uh, so obviously I write, um, I do, I do work on productions as well, doing, um, choreography. Uh-huh. I'm also involved in movie publicity. Um, so I do, but I do a wide variety of things, but it's all, it's all to do with film basically. Nice. nice. Um, so with the book itself, I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about the challenges of, of kind of like probably reaching out to people you don't know and dealing with managers and publicity and everything. Um, were there any other challenges bringing it together? Timing, uh, you know, any, any challenging interviews, uh, without naming names, uh, any, uh-huh. anything that really was, uh, was a pain in the ass to get together? Um, I think one thing, it's just it's quite a funny thing it's it's almost so obvious you'd you'd overlook it i mean i've kind of half i've forgotten a lot of this stuff now but when you uh when you when you conduct interviews let's say and then the process takes so long so like i said you know it could be three years on but then if you you know even shrink down that time scale to a year on two years on if i say i i I did the the interview with scott was one of the first ones i did and then the whole process was obviously quite quite lengthy and much more of an undertaking than i first thought and then nearly three years on we're done and his interview is like crazy old so luckily in a case of somebody like him you know i just basically went back to him and i pretty much you know filled him in on what's been happening and i said look we are nearly done now but 
can we kind of sit down again when you've got some time and have a chat and just basically filling in some gaps for sure. the meantime. And th- so it's kind of thing that things like that, that's sort of like kind of quite a, quite a silly point, you know, would be easy to overlook, but things like that, it was just the time scale, um, trying to keep things as relevant as possible. Um, and basically I tried to keep most of the interviews not too, uh, time specific, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. So, you know, like, w- w- you know, when you pick up a paper or, or, or a magazine and you're reading about this new movie that's come out and they're obviously promoting a particular piece of work, obviously these interviews are more, I guess, like career retrospectives. Right. So it doesn't date so easily. So although, you know, things will come out, you know, now that aren't in the book, obviously, but you know, if we're talking about a career as a whole or a journey as a whole, hopefully it won't age too much um, in time. And you know, I'm, maybe I'll do like an updated version in in years to come. But sure. um, but yeah, for now, hopefully it, it it holds up pretty well. That's awesome, man. Um, I always I always think about that. I always think about when you take on a, a project. Um, how far away you get from the origin point, how much uh, uh, you learn as you go on and how, you know, eye of the tiger you get towards the end, like the interview is a piece of cake, the talking to the people, maybe you're not as nervous and all of these things come together easier at the end and then you think back like, okay, three years ago how can I bring that up to this point and make it still relevant I I imagine that's a big big part of it, yeah Yeah. uh, What were some of your favorite interviews the favorite people that you talk to um definitely i think scott would be in there just because he's you know he's such a incredibly talented guy and he's doing so much good work now and fortunately you know he's being acknowledged more and more so that's that's a great thing to see um and and other other guys you know um like joey answer who's a, a good friend of mine as well and you know he's done great stuff now with with the street fighter assassin's fist series and he's working on the next series so it's um i think it's really good to to be able to help these guys kind of tell their stories in a sense and, and communicate that. Um, and also some of the guys, you know, a lot of the stunt guys I didn't know beforehand and I've actually kind of got to know them now and we've stayed in contact and we're friends and, and everything. And these guys are amazing. Like JJ Perry. I mean, you know, obviously I was aware of his work, uh, for a long time right. and, um, he was kind enough to, and you know, along with the other guys, 87, 11 guys and so on, kind enough to, Uh, to be involved in the book and just share some really great stories. And I think a lot of those guys, the great things about those interviews, the guys are really open. You can probably get that sense when you read about it. They're they're really lively, funny guys. They love telling stories and sharing, you know, cool anecdotes and things like that. Um, And it's, yeah, it's just, it's really just such a pleasure to, to speak to them. And it's actually quite thrilling. Even when you, you know, sometimes when you're transcribing an interview, it can be quite a boring process. But when you're listening back to such cool stories, it actually kind of sparks that interest and you're like, well, this is cool. And it, um, it just, yeah, it's just, I found it really, really interesting and really exciting, um, hearing, you know, hearing those guys stories. And then as I say, being able to communicate them, some of this stuff that I think hadn't really been, um, told before, for example, you know, um, some of the great background stories from, um, Dave Leach and Chad Stelsky, who at the time were prepping John Wick and doing a lot of nice. stuff with John Wick, which is obviously now, you know, now become a big deal and they're working on the sequel. Um, and also I got to do, it was really cool, got to use some, um, some, some never before seen John Wick set photos. So in the book, um, basically just because it was a perfect timing around the time of the interview, you know, we needed some images and I was speaking to them and speaking to the guys at 8711 and we just basically arranged. It was kind of very, very grateful, of course, especially for me getting some on-set photos taken for the book so it's like that was a really that was a really fun thing so um, i was very grateful but i guess some some of these nice little unique points made it made it particularly special for me as well 
That's great. Is it uh, was it mostly in person, or did you do uh, mostly interviews on, um, on the phone or Skype or what? Yeah, it's mo- well. I mean, all the UK guys basically. It's you know, it's, it's cool to be in person because obviously they're they're much more accessible. But unfortunately, um, well, not unfortunately, but you know, for the guys who are uh, abroad in you know LA or. Yeah other parts of the world obviously it mostly has to be phone so um that's just you know i guess that's just a symptom of um of of the distance but it's great now like us speaking now on skype it's still it's i don't really take it for granted i think it's a cool kind of uh it's 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 a cool technology that we can communicate in this way you know absolutely absolutely i um do you think that there's any difference and i mean this is certainly a personal thing do you think that there's any difference in the way you approach the martial arts stunt choreography versus something that's become more popular when you mentioned John Wick, this kind of bullet ballet, this kind of gun focused kind of stunt work versus the traditional, you know, uh, karate, jujitsu, uh, martial arts that we kind of, that we kind of knew in the eighties and nineties. Is there a difference in the way that you think you, you approach it at all? Um, I think um, I think at its core, the kind of the DNA there is 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 quite consistent. I mean, I know that with things like John Wick, they they've tried to take uh, I, I would say they tried to take um, kind of an established, quite old school style formula yeah. and just put a bit of a different spin on it. Like JJ Perry actually refers to it as Gunjitsu, yeah. um, which is which is quite funny. But um, but it's just yeah, I guess it's it's putting a, a spin on you know you've got the gunplay side of things, you've got the more martial arts side of things, and they're doing this crazy blend of the two. Where you've still got cool fight scenes and cool choreography, but then you've got this this kind of like flowing, you know, kind of like bullet ballet, John Woo influence um, of the action. I think it, it all bleeds into one, which is really nice. So it's, um, they, they, they kind of invented a bit of a, um, a, a genre spinoff, I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 I, I really enjoyed the movie a lot and I can't wait to yeah. see the sequel. Yeah. Um, so during this whole journey, did anything particularly surprise you uh, that blew your mind open or anything? Any particular interview or person that kind of opened a, a new way of looking at this this art or the cinema? Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I think what's funny is, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I always held um, the art form in high regard and I still do. But I guess there was a, uh, there was an extent of it that I was quite surprised about. For example, um, someone like John Hyams, who you know is best known now from doing the uh, the Universal Soldier sequels, uh, Re- Regeneration and Day of Reckoning, right. and um, he talks about in his interview. He he's at, well, he's actually got a background. I didn't know this prior to interviewing him. He's got a background in like, fine art and painting, wow. and he actually refers to um, and draws reference to his process making these movies of like, you know, actually putting colors on the palette and, um, and, um, this, all, all this kind of stuff. So it's like, he's actually got a really, and sculpt sculpting as well as his other thing. So it's, it's actually, um, really interesting how some of these parallels, um, come about between, you know, these, these different art forms. I thought that was really interesting. And, um, and, you know, again, something you wouldn't necessarily expect, uh, from an action movie. Right. It's the, it's the, uh, the elements of the things coming together to make that piece of art. I, I always find that there's so much bleed over from all the different types of media that we, we consume, like yeah. the type of music that could influence you or, or, or uh, motivate you to do another type of medium, whether it is writing or choreography or filmmaking. Yeah. I always find that very interesting. Yeah. Um, 
what would you say you see going on in the future for you? What's next? Are you thinking that you might make a sequel book in the same ilk or are you done with it? What do you feel like? Um, no, I definitely uh, would like to do a second book. Um, this is I've kind of got, you know, early early plans, early ideas for how that would take shape. Um, and of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, although I'd like to think, you know, we got a lot of people into the first book. There's obviously a lot of people we could still speak to. So, um, there's a lot of aptitude for that. And I, I feel quite confident and, and happy taking that, taking that journey on. And also, I'd also feel quite confident having done it before, you know, now yeah. I've done the process once you feel like you can do that journey again. So I definitely like to do that again. And also I have an idea actually for a documentary based on the premise of the book. Great. So, um, that, that would definitely be on the cards and it's something I'd love to get started on in, in the new year. Absolutely. I would love to have you back and talk again about that. If that, if that comes yeah. to fruition. Yeah. Um, so where can people find the book? And also why don't you give us a little plug action on where people can find you too? Um, plug. Well, I mean, uh, the book is available. It's on Amazon. Um, it's uh, it's on it's on Kindle. It's on all the all those formats. I mean, there's there's also copies you can get from my website, mikefury.net, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. And what's what's really cool is um, we we've created a bit of a, a community from from the book through the Facebook page, through Twitter. You know, and people you know kind of commenting on pictures we're sharing a lot of old you know it could be old trailers old stills old you know cool memories of the, the films and some of the people associated with the book mm-hmm. um and it's kind of it's got this cool community going and you know i've been very grateful to receive a lot of nice emails and messages from people who've just been you know um been inspired by the book or found it really interesting or thought something was cool um and you know yeah just just really really creating this this i guess it's like a um a group of you know like-minded appreciators of this genre so it's 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 a nice thing and it's something that i hope um will inspire people and will inspire you know whether whether you're a fan or you're an aspiring filmmaker an actor or something like that it's uh it's such a such a cool rich subject that i hope you know fires up people's imaginations absolutely life of action is the book um and i gotta say yeah just to add to that that's been my approach to it i'm so happy that the interview came together and that uh that i was able to read what i could of this book i'm still reading it and i'm and i'm really excited to go from one person to the next one interview to the next it really is um it's great stories great perspective on something so if you as a viewer or a listener of this podcast but as a viewer of these movies or of these uh, stunt performers filmmakers and you have any sort of interest in the genre i I gotta highly recommend this book mike you did such a great job and uh, i hope to talk to you again i appreciate it thanks greg appreciate it man have a good one (laughs) thanks man see ya